Hello and welcome to Season 4 of the VoiceOver Hour podcast, brought to you by the VoiceOver Network, an organization that is dedicated to helping, supporting and strengthening the voiceover industry. Now, my name's Rachel Naylor, and I'll be your host. I've been a voice actor for over 20 years, working in all areas of voiceovers, from video games to commercials to animation to promos. I'm also editor of The Buzz magazine, which is the only magazine in the world dedicated to the voiceover industry. I'm director at Elements Demos, founder and CEO of The Voiceover Network, and I'm also a multi-award winning entrepreneur. I talk to some amazing experts in our industry, including voice actors, agents, producers, and casting directors. They'll be sharing their stories as well as information and advice to help you with your voiceover journey. And that's what this podcast is all about. So the VoiceOver Network is the number one place for voiceover professionals to get the best training, help, support, opportunities, and access to an amazing supportive community. Head over to the voiceovernetwork.org website to see all the amazing events and workshops we have going on. I started the VoiceOver Network over eight years ago. I can't believe that now. Because I wanted to create a safe place for voiceover professionals from around the world to come together to get help, support and advice. And to strengthen this amazing industry we work in. The VoiceOver Network is a global community of voiceover professionals of all levels. So people who've been in the industry for over 40 years and people just starting out. And I'm so proud of what we've created. I want to empower you on your voiceover journey. Hello, everybody. Hello and welcome to the VoiceOver Hour podcast. It's so great to have you all joining us today. And I have a very special guest. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking to Mike Cooper, who is an award-winning British voice actor based in North Carolina, the USA. His clients include, I mean, there are so many, but they include the BBC, National Geographic, Amazon, CNN, Land Rover, Visa, I mean, I could go on and on. There are many, many more. But um, welcome, Mike. It's nice to be here, Rachel. Thanks for inviting me on. Oh, thank you so much for joining us today. It's, yeah, really great to chat to you. Yeah, we've known each other a long time, so it's nice to be catching up. We have, I know. We've, we've both been in the voiceover industry for, I mean... Long, long time, and we met. God, I don't. I can't even. I mean, probably what fifteen years ago, something crazy yeah. like that. It's a long time yeah. ago. Yeah, back in so, the days um, when I had a meetup group for voiceover artists. That was, yeah. I think, when we met in London in one of those little bars somewhere off Fleet Street. There was yeah. a little group of us that used to get together, and we've stayed in touch ever since, really, haven't we? Yeah, which is really wonderful. And so, yeah, how long have you been in the voiceover industry? I, th- I always say, f- in terms of pr- like what I think of as proper voiceover, yeah. I started in 2007. I walked into our, our walk-in wardrobe in our basement flat in London and just had this brainwave of, doesn't it sound great in here? I wonder if you could do voiceovers from home. And in 2007, you just about could. Yeah. Uh, th- there were a few people who'd been voicing commercials on the on the local radio circuit who'd been getting tired of driving around the country and had started putting in ISDN lines at home so they could start doing stuff remotely. And I think that was really the start of, of home voiceover in the UK. And when I got started, 
Voice 123 had, had just got started a couple of years before. Mm-hmm. Uh, voices didn't exist yet. Uh, Badalgo was, was a little twink in, 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 you know, in Armin's eye. That was a couple of years yeah. off. But it turned out you could do voiceovers from home. And within a couple of months, I was getting jobs every day. It was, the, it was really like the glory days. But it, it turned into a complete fresh career because I'd been working in, in radio and in TV for, for 20 years before that. Um, so this was the switch for me to, to working full-time as a voiceover artist, yeah. Nice. And what were you doing in radio and TV before you kind of got into the voiceovers? I started in local radio. I went straight to the BBC at Pebble Mill from school, and I was in local radio for about three years. And then I got fired, <laughs> and I went okay. off to Central <laughs> Television as an announcer. I was a TV announcer for Central and for Carlton and for BFBS, the Forces TV people. Um, then I went the other side of the glass. I was a network director for ITV. Then I went into directing news programs. So I directed, I directed news for ITN and then the BBC and then Sky News. Mm-hmm. Uh, somewhere in the middle of all of that, I started working as a newsreader and announcer for the BBC World Service around 2005. And I stayed doing that alongside my voiceover work until we left London. My husband and I, um, you know Mark very well, and we left London in 2014 and came to live here in North Carolina. So now we're in the Blue Ridge Mountains. We're about 15 miles southwest of a very cool little city in the mountains called Asheville, uh, which has a population of about 90,000 people, but gets about 7 million visitors a year. Um, yeah, it's it's fun. It's very, very different to London. And now I have a life where I live in a log cabin and keep goats and horses and chickens, you know. Very different to living in, in an ex-council house in Walworth SE17. <laughs> yeah, I remember when you were moving out. And I remember, you remember our like, tiny wow. house? Yeah. yeah, yeah, incredible. And so now, yeah, you get to... You get to be in the beautiful, beautiful mountains with all the lovely yeah, it's animals. Stunning. And, it's yeah. stunning. So I get to be in my studio. Um, I, I'm literally looking out at the mountain right now, and there are three horses in the yard underneath. So, yeah, on a lot of levels, it looks like I'm living the dream. Yeah. And then... Oh <laughs> <laughs> Well, so tell us, tell us about one of your proudest moments as a voice actor. Oh, there are so many. I mean, I, I, I always got a, a huge sense of, of pride and satisfaction from my work at the BBC on on the World Service. Um, and that was a that was a great skill to have as well. It was like five-minute mm. bulletins. And those bulletins are structured in such a way that you have to have a two-second gap at two minutes and 58 seconds in so that some stations can leave and other stations can join. And you have to have another two-second gap exactly four minutes and 58 seconds in. But you're doing this quite a lot of the time, especially if there's news going on and there's breaking stuff happening. Mm. You'll be in the middle of reading stuff and somebody will, the door will open and somebody will slide a piece of paper in front of you and you're expected to incorporate this, possibly with names and things like African names or whatever that you've yeah. never seen before um, and still, you know, mentally sub-edit in your head so that you still come out on time at those little two-minute, what they call the hard posts because if not, then, then it sounds awful and stations get annoyed and so that, that was very challenging. And I also used to really enjoy the documentary work that I used to do more of when I was in London, uh, Mm. which was reversioning, localising material for the UK. So places like National Geographic, Smithsonian Channel, History Channel would make all of their content in the US. But whereas the US quite likes a British voice, 
the Brits don't really like American voices, so they would replace we, the American voices. We love voiceovers. American voices, by the way. <laughs> we do love them, really, but yeah. <laughs> but they would replace the American voiceovers, change it because British English is slightly different to, to American English. So I would do a lot of work revoicing those things, and that was always a lot of fun. Um, but I like all of my clients. I'm very fortunate. I have a lot of good clients who come back. And, um, yeah, I've, I've been fortunate to have a, a good career at this. Although, you know, we're here to talk about the, 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 the elephant in the room, aren't we? We are. Yes, we are. We are. And um, before we go, before we talk about the elephant, I just wanted to just jump on because we are going to get to the elephant. Everyone's going, what elephant? We're, we're going to come <laughs> with the elephant. But, yeah, what is it like being a British voice actor based in the U.S.? It's a little different to what I expected. Um, a couple of things are different about it than, than what I was expecting before I got here. One is that there are actually a lot more Brits doing voiceover in America than I first realised. Mm. I thought that there were a handful of us, and it turns out there are far more than that. Um, so it's still, it's still small fish, big pond, but not quite so few fishes as you, as you might originally have thought. And the thing for me is that I do get quite a lot of work from American clients, but the thing with American clients, although they love the British voice and they love the British accent, a lot of those clients don't have work for you on an ongoing basis. So they'll need a Brit, but they might not need it this week or they might not need it next week. They might need it eight months from now or two years from now. So yeah. a lot of my work with American clients is sporadic and my challenge is staying front of mind and connected with those people. Not yeah. so often that I piss them off by by pestering them every two seconds but I still need to be front of mind enough that when that job does come up where they want a British voice I'm one of the first people they think of that's a bit yeah. of a challenge uh, it's a, bit, a yeah. bit of a balancing act yeah absolutely and what would you say the kind of what what's the key to to your success as a voice actor oh gosh oh wow <laughs> I think I, one of my American colleagues said this, but I think it comes down to, you know, be be nice and don't suck. Yeah, 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 there <laughs> I, we go. I, I, you know, I, I, try to, I try to do the the right things, you know, um, under-promise, over-deliver, um, be, be good to work with, be somebody to yeah. work with that people enjoy working with because at the end of the day, your read could be good or your your read could be stellar, but if you if your read is good and you're good to work with and people enjoy working with you and they enjoy getting in the studio with you or working yeah. remotely with you and they know that you're directable and you're prepared to try different things and not take it personally if they're asking for something different to what you're doing um, and just be focused on getting the best product and the best end result for the client, I think yeah. that's about as best you can do. Obviously, be, be training if you need to be training. Um, always be sharpening your skills. Yeah. Um, and, you know, be better than the next guy and be better than the elephant. The elephant, <laughs> yes, absolutely. So let's talk about this elephant. Yeah. Um, it's two, two big um, capital words, AI. Yeah. So AI has come, you know, it, we've, it's, it's been something that's been kind of a bit of a dirty word in the voiceover industry, I think, for a couple of years. And yeah, it's been brewing for a while, hasn't it? You know, ooh, that AI thing. Ooh, is it going to be dangerous? And it's like, oh, let's just not talk about it and pretend it's not here. Um, but we, as we well know, it is very much here. Um, so I know you recently wrote something about an experience that you had. So if you, if you wanted to kind of, yeah, yeah share I mean, a bit of, of your experience and, and what's happened to you with AI. 
AI so that because what we what I want to do with this is to to share information but also to empower people so that so that we can protect ourselves and 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 figure out how to move forward. Yeah, I mean the wake up call for me came about I guess it was about a month ago now. Um sitting there one Wednesday morning minding my own business, drinking my coffee, opening my emails. I uh, had a marketing email from a company whose name I didn't immediately recognize and they were offering voiceover services. And of course, my initial reaction was, well, I, why aren't I working with these people? Who are these people? I'll go and have a look at their website. So I went to their website and they got a page uh, for voiceover artists to sign up. And I thought, well, that's good, I'll, I'll do that, but I'll just check them out first. I want, you know, I want to see what I'm getting into. I wonder who else they have for British voices. So I went to the samples page and I clicked on English UK and mail and then clicked play and heard myself. <laughs> um, and it was obviously, it was me, but it was not quite me. Uh, it's that kind of uncanny valley version of yourself. That it's it's your tones, it's the sound of your voice, but it doesn't quite talk the way you talk. The pacing isn't quite the way you pace. Um, it it was just a little weird, and it was obviously something that I hadn't actually recorded. It was it was evident to me that it was machine generated text. So I started to think, well, how did this happen? And I went away and started digging through my email. Um, realized that the company that were writing to me had taken over a company that I'd been working with for about six years. The company that I had started working with back in 2016, 2017, I'd signed a contract with them uh, when I went back and did my research. And not only that, I'd signed a contract with them that enabled them to reuse the audio that I recorded for them for any purpose. Which, wow. you know, with hindsight, yeah, I did a really stupid thing. But I know I'm not the only one who's done it. Because the thing is, we, you know what it's like. I mean, yeah. we all want to be advocates for ourselves. We all want to be the best business people that we can. And we all want to push back against contract terms that we think are, are, are onerous or, you know, don't don't hold our services in the best light or whatever. But a lot of the time, the bigger the company that you work with, the more likely it is that their legal department has already agreed a set of terms and agreed what they want. And it really comes down to you, you sign it or you don't. And if you don't mm. sign it, you don't get the work and the company doesn't work with you. So it comes down to doing some kind of risk analysis. Well, what am I doing for the company? How much, how likely is it that they'll try and misuse it? And how much, you know, what, what's, the, what's the scope of that misuse? Could it even happen? And in this case, all I was recording for this company were little telephone prompts, IVR recordings. Uh, thank you for calling. If you want technical support, press one. If you want to speak to an operator, press two. That kind of stuff. They yeah. were so short. And in 2016, you will remember this, Rachel, if you wanted mm. to create a text-to-speech voice in 2016, you had to go into a studio and you had to record literally hours of, yeah. of preset scripts, Sometimes, recording them yeah, in weeks. certain... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, one, so in 2016, one, yeah. when, when I was recording the, these odd little bits of IVR, I thought, well, there's no potential here for anybody to do anything, anything awful with that. So I signed. And mm. then it came back and bit me in the ass seven years later because in 2023 it's perfectly possible now to create a, a, a voice just by feeding a minute or two of somebody's speech into an AI model and it can then create a voice model so we've moved on a lot and the technology has leapfrogged from where we were and I think a lot of people weren't even aware that that had happened I wasn't mm, yeah it's it's very scary. So, yeah, so just to explain to people, yeah, so now you can literally take a sample of a voice and you can put it into an AI machine and AI and tell the AI machine what to say and it can say it in that voice. 
Yeah. Which now is... there are better there are better models and not so good models, but the basis of it is you can, with a lot of these models, you can take a minute or so of speech and create a workable model. If you want a model that really sounds like the person, you've got to do a bit more work, but you can get something that's perfectly usable with a minute or two of audio at this point. So for anybody who's got a minute or two of audio on the internet, recorded an audio book. There's hours of, of that stuff out there. Have you done any any e-learning? Have you done anything for anybody where there wasn't music behind it? And maybe that's up on YouTube or Vimeo or on somebody's website. Because all of those things now, rightly or wrongly, legally or not, can be lifted and turned into voice models. It's scary out there. <laughs> it is scary. It is very scary. And I know that people will be listening to this. And, you know, I know when we, we sat down and had a chat uh, last week and we were both kind of a bit, you know, freaked out by it all. Um, but there is hope, isn't there? I mean, in terms of, you know, what, what do you think voice actors can be doing right now to protect themselves? I think there are a couple of things you can do. Um I think there will be a lot of people for whom this is a bit of a wake-up call who realise that they've potentially signed up with people in the past and, and may have signed similar terms away to the ones I did. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if you've signed up for a voice directory, a pay-to-play site, we know that some of the pay-to-plays have terms and conditions where they insist that they own your audio and the copyright to it the second that you submit it. So yeah. if you signed up for a P2P a production company, if you're on a production company's roster and they have a blanket agreement in place for you with what they will do with the audio and you trusted them on that, you might want to be checking those contract terms. Yeah. You certainly want to be checking anything going forward. Anything that talks about uh, signing away copyright in perpetuity, anything that talks about things like a right of likeness which means yeah. that they could they can not only own the copyright in the recordings, but they can own the right to to behave, sound, and look like you. Those are likeness rights. Mm. If you sign those away at any point, um, that's something to be to be looking out for, and also looking out. You know, you, we we get these periodic updates to terms and conditions that come through via email or whatever. And if you're like me, I think they're, they're the things that you tend to to brush off and not pay a lot of attention to. But they could be things lurking in there. Yeah. But, yeah, being careful, I think, going forward is, is one thing. In some ways, and I know this isn't a popular position because everybody wants to be able to fight it, but in some ways, I think the damage is kind of done and the... In, in some ways it's moot at this point because there is so much audio out there that can be grabbed, reused, uh, rightly or wrongly, that th the models are going to exist whether we want them to or not. And it really comes down to, well, what can we do and who can we be in the face of this? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is, you know, and I do think, you know, there is fighting going on and I know that Equity are working very hard and so are SAG-AFTRA to kind of to, to, to get some protection in place for us as an industry. Um, but I think as an industry, and I, you know, I've always believed this, that we just need to make sure that we are the best that we can be and that we provide an incredible service and that we look after our clients and make sure that we are better. But I, you know, I am like you, you know, still believe in human connection. And as voice Voice actors, that's what we are. We are communicators and we connect with people. And there's there's something magic in that that cannot be recreated um, by a machine. And so there will always be, you know, voice actors. There will always be voice acting work. 
But there are going to be, there will be a fallout in terms of some of the, I think the lower paid voiceover work, you know, the kinds of stuff that ends up on Fiverr, you know, those those kind of jobs, you know, so a client who's really got very little money and is never going to be able to afford a proper voice actor is going to use AI. And I don't, I, I, there's nothing, you know, we can't stop that. And in a way... You know, we we you know, for the likes of me and you, we're not never going to do that kind of voiceover work. So in a way, that's okay. It's just making sure that, you know, the audiobooks and the I think the video games and the commercials is I, I can't see that that going to AI anytime soon. There's a lot in there, isn't there? Let's unpack a bit of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, in terms of who can you be in the face of it, well. Uh, and what do we think is going to happen? You know, let's get out our crystal ball. And it's it's impossible to predict the future, but I think there are a few things that are likely to happen around this. One is that I think in the short term, we might see a big swing, a big pendulum swing towards people wanting to use AI voices. Because yeah. it's, it looks very alluring if you're somebody who wants to, to buy voiceover services and you don't have a lot of cash. Yeah. Um, so I do think that in the short to medium term, there's going to be a lot of interest. Um, and I think... Some people who maybe have been using voice talent on places like Fiverr who aren't great voice talent may find that their work starts to disappear because the robots might be able to do it better. So the first thing that you can do in response to this is be better than the robots. Yeah. It's an unpopular position to take, but um, audiobook narration is, is, a, is a good example. You know, there are some books that... I mean, I'm, a, I'm an audiobook narrator, but I don't listen to a lot of audiobooks because a lot of audiobooks that I pick up and try to listen to, the narration just isn't great. So if we get to a point, <laughs> controversial viewpoint coming up, flat red flag, but if we get to the point where the AIs can do a better job of it, then really, what right do you have to be expecting to, to be able to do the job in the first place? If you can't mm -hmm. do it better than the robot, then there may not be a career here for you. So you either need to get better at what you're doing or look at what your other career options might be because it is, as you said, Rachel, it's going to cannibalise a chunk of the market. Things like IVR, I was talking to an IVR producer the other day who said, yep, we have clients who definitely want the human voice, but we also have a lot of clients who are looking at this and saying, well, that's plenty good enough for me. And for those clients where the AI is plenty good enough for them and can spit it out in, in minutes compared to hours and editing and all the rest of it, it is going to be good enough. But that pendulum swing is going to swing back at some point because what the AIs can't do now or in the foreseeable future is they can't emote in the way that humans can. Sure, you can you can go in and you can you can direct them to a, you know a little bit that like the Microsoft Azure stuff. You can you can you can nudge things in different directions to get things things out of it that it doesn't do by default. But if you're going to do that, if you're going to spend the time to go in and direct the AI mm. line by line, wouldn't it be nicer and easier and probably a, a you know a, a better thing to do to bring in a voice actor? So I think there's going to be a swing back when when people begin to realise that their content doesn't engage in the same way yeah. it, I think there'll be a swing back I'll give you an example a few months ago I pulled up a YouTube explainer video um, because I was trying to explain something I think about cryptocurrency to Mark so we pulled up this, this YouTube video it was nine minutes and mm. I pressed play and it, at first it sounded like it was pretty well done I was listening to this guy, it was well voiced, it was well recorded. He had a slightly idiosyncratic speech pattern, like a lot of these YouTube people do. And I yeah. thought, okay, that's him. By about a minute and a half in, I realised I was listening to a, an AI because the repeated patterns of cadence and prosody mm -hmm. were beginning to 
settle into my brain. By about three minutes in, it was becoming annoying. And by about five minutes in, I couldn't really concentrate on what it was saying anymore because I was so locked into the patterns that I was hearing that I was missing the content. And things like for e-learning developers, for example, you're expecting people to sit through a course that might be 45 minutes or an hour or two hours. Those people are going to find that the AIs don't hold the engagement with the learners the way that a human voice does. And that may take a while, and we may have to hold fast and and help to educate our clients in the process and in the interim. But I do think there will be a swing back. It's not going to swing all the way back. There is definitely going to be a sector of of this work, like IVR work, uh, some um, Mm e-learning, some corporate videos and things that people will just say the AI is good enough. Short things, anything. That's yeah. a, that's a, min- a couple of minutes, maybe. Great, but I think what we can do as voice actors is we can help to educate our clients about the things that the AIs aren't good at, and where they're liable to see a, a fall off in engagement with with the content. That's something yeah. that we can do. So be better than the AI, yeah. and help to educate your clients, and be careful what you're signing going forward. Would be three good things to do, I think. Fantastic. That's very, very good advice. Um, I'm going to, and we're going to just take a, a very short break now, guys, just to hear from our fabulous sponsors. But we will be back. You are listening to the VoiceOver Hour podcast season four, brought to you by the VoiceOver Network, sponsored by Sennheiser, Focusrite, Audio Technica, and Elements Demos. This podcast is powered by the Focusrite Vocaster and the Sennheiser USB microphone. Having the right demo is so important as a voice actor. In fact, it's one of the most important marketing tools you need to have. Now, I created Elements Demos because I wanted to make sure that voice actors have the best demos to go out to get work and to get more representation. I have an amazing team of scriptwriters, sound engineers and directors all working with you. Check out elementsdemos.com for more information. Okay, so we are back talking to Mike Cooper. We've been talking about the elephant in the room and the AI and we've, you know, you shared your story which was fantastic, you know, to share that. Um, I mean, it is a scary story, but you know, the advice was be better than be better than the robots um, and check contracts and educate your clients, which is really, really important. Um, I do, you know, I mean, being better than a robot. Obviously, training is super, super important, and I, I mean, that's something that here at the Voice of a Network we're we're super keen on, and you know, we're we're here to support everybody. Um, but making sure you continue to train as a voice actor is super important. Doesn't matter how experienced you are. Yeah. Um, The emotion uh, that you can bring to a script is something that an AI isn't going to be able to do anytime soon. The little turns of phrase, the little, the way that you can dynamically use things like slowing up, speeding down, putting a pause in. Those kinds of things, yep. you know, that that can grab and hook a listener's attention, aren't the kinds of things that AI voices are going to be doing for the foreseeable future, and they're the things that will help to to create that engagement with a listener, and that your client will find appealing. And if you come from an acting background, a lot of this comes with you anyway. But if you don't mm-hmm. come from an acting background, you're somebody like me, then making sure that you're working to include those humanizations. 
Uh, You've got to have a GSOH, a good sense of humanization, because going forward, that's going to be what differentiates you uh, from from the robots. And and don't be under any, any illusions here. They're going to keep getting better. And if we've yeah. seen anything with things like ChatGPT and Dali over the last few months, you can see that the the speed of iteration is just getting faster and faster. Mm-hmm. So um, somebody was telling me a couple of weeks ago, somebody who's who's been working with producing text-to-speech models for years, says, you know, they're pretty good now, but the, the next generation, the generative AI chatbots that are coming and the generative AI text-to-speech models that are coming in the next few months months, not years, uh, are so realistic, he tells me, that you can forget what you think from listening to Siri and, uh, you know, Alexa, because you'll never be able to tell that you're not talking to a human being. They might not be able to carry it for for 5, 10, 15 Mm -hmm. minutes in a narration, but in terms of short-term stuff, when you're calling a company going forward, there's a good chance you're going to be talking to a chatbot and you're not going to know it's not a human. Mm -hmm. scary. That is weird. Whoa, that is scary. I mean, so so on that. It feels you know, a bit skeevy, I, I, doesn't it? It does. It does. But you know, I'm I'm a big believer in in the human voice, and as as I say to people all the time, you know, voice actors, we're actually most often than not hired, we're not really hired for the sound of our voice I mean back when when I came into the industry in the early days of our careers absolutely it was the sound of your voice but now it's not really about the sound of your voice it's about your personality so voice actors get hired for how they communicate and so you know all the things that have happened in our lives and all your lives you know the good the bad the ugly that has created the human being that you are today and we all need to be able to tap into our natural instinct in the booth in order to be able to connect and communicate and I do think that that, that there is no way that you know however good the AIs are they will not be able to be able to interpret text the same way that a human being does and have that connection uh, have that emotion that, that we have so I think that that's that's something that we do have and they cannot take that away from us yeah, I think you make a very good point, and it's timely. Uh, it's fortuitous in some ways because what shifted in, especially in things like advertising copy over the mm-hmm. last 20, 30 years, is we've shifted away from the what we now talk about as the announcer voice. You know, come down to Allied Carpet, sale must end Sunday. You know, that stuff's gone yeah. away. We, we don't, we don't, we don't get talked to anymore and told what to buy. Yeah. We have clients who want us to be able to engage with their audience and make their audience feel like we're like them. Mm, so yeah. we, so now advertising is all about getting inside the mind of the buyer and making them pe- people buy from people they trust. Yes. Why yeah. would you trust a robot? Yeah. It doesn't. It can't. It can't communicate with you and engage with you and empathise with you. And what we're trying to do when we're in the booth, I think, a lot of the time, I mean, it, for me, it comes down to three things all the time. If you boil it down to three things, it's, it's who am I, in the context of 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 the script, the job. Who am I? Who am I talking to and what's the context? And once you know those three things, once you know who you're supposed to be and who you're talking to, what their level of experience and interest is and so on, you can relate to that and change your approach to how you interpret a script. Yeah. But an AI can't. No. 
absolutely. Yeah. It's a very human skill. And I think education is going to be a big part of it. Um, making sure that, you know, when your clients do start to turn around, as some of them will, undoubtedly will at some point and say, well, we've decided that we're going to start using AI voices for a while to, to make sure that when they do that, you don't go into reaction and yeah. berate them and, uh, you know, burn your bridges because there's a good chance that three months six months 12 months down the line they might be coming back to you and what you want to make sure is that when that happens uh, you know you don't chastise them <laughs> don't yes. make them feel bad for having tried something different um, and you know that you're still there and you're still available and you're happy to have them back and help them see how it can be done better I think that's nice. the best way through this yeah. what do you think no I think absolutely I do I think you're you're totally right and I think I mean, you know, yes, you know, there are. But what about opportunities? Let's talk about opportunities that are happening in the voiceover industry right now, because there are opportunities. And, and, and I do think, you know, as an industry, we've been through a very interesting period with the pandemic, which actually was kind of almost, I, I mean, I, I wonder if it's going to be the golden years in the voiceover world, because that was amazing, uh, you know, having a home studio, being able to continue working, and work increased for most voice actors, because everybody was redoing their commercials, everybody was redoing their, their copy, um, video games, I mean, the video games are just exploding, animation, all those kind of things. So there are, and there are still, you know, lots of opportunities out there for voice actors. So please, you know, if you're listening to this, do not panic. <laughs> You know, as we said, there's going to be a proportion of stuff that will go to AIs, but there is still plenty of opportunities. So have you got, yeah, advice or, or any anything that you see happening positively? Well, um, there's a huge growth, as you said, in things like video games. So anything yeah. that requires people to act... I think yep. those are safer parts of the industry going forward. Anything that requires acting, so things like animation, gaming, um, anything that, that really involves getting into the acting side of things is going to yep. be big. Um, don't forget that not all e-learning is read this and then click here. There's been a, a big move in the last few years towards what they call gamified learning. So a lot of e-learning that I get now isn't me reading a script and telling somebody what to do and then click at the end of the page for the next page. It's I'm recording part of a dialogue, uh, yeah. which is then going to be mixed with two or three other people. So e-learning is changing. So um, you know, work, making sure that your e-learning developers know that you that you can do characters and mm -hmm. sound like different people and can maybe offer two or three different script, uh, voices for a project uh, could be a useful thing. It's a great time to be reminding your clients and your potential clients of all the things that you can do that maybe aren't available from an AI. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So whatever your and specific skill set is, um, whatever you bring to it, if you have life experience outside the booth that you can bring to, to your voiceover stuff that gives you the inside track on what the script means or how to, mm -hmm. how to identify with those clients, all of that is going to be very important going forward. Sadly, I do think there'll be fewer of us at the end of it. I think for a lot, there will be a lot of people because uh, COVID was, was, you know, COVID was awful, but it was also great for a lot of people who were trying to get into voiceover. But I think there will be a lot of people for whom this is a part-time side hustle or a hobby who will start to find that the barriers to entry and the barriers to finding work start to go up. So I do think there may be a point coming where some people have to decide how serious they are about it and whether or not they're going to stick with it or go. When the people go... 
there'll be fewer of us, uh, you know, chasing potentially fewer work. But I, th- I think things will even out a little bit. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think we'll be here at the end of it, and that you know you want to be you want to be part of the cream that floats to the top. You, you know, whatever analogy you attach to that, you know, be a Rolls Royce, not a whatever. Yeah, positioning yourself as as a premium product and premium talent, um, I don't think is going to be a bad thing for anybody going forward. And you know, hopefully. We'll see each other on the other side. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. Amazing, amazing. Okay, cool. So I wanted to just ask you, just to kind of round all of this up, what would you say to a younger Mike Cooper? What advice oh, would you give? Well, this this particular Mike you? Cooper, I'd probably say be very careful what you're signing because... Yes. As we know, hindsight is twenty twenty vision. Um, we all make decisions based on the best available information at the time. Uh, what would I say to a younger Mike Cooper? I think if I were starting again, I might have taken a little bit more time to get into the acting side of things, just to give yeah. myself a few more options. Because I don't come from an acting background, I come from a broadcast background. And I've picked up a lot along the way that's enabled me to have a great career with this. But I think for somebody starting now, if if that question means, you know, what would you say to a young Mike Cooper who was wanting to get into voiceover 20 yeah. years earlier or whatever, I think I would say go harder on the acting stuff. Mm. Because I think that's going to be the differentiator going forward. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for joining us today and sharing your story and your insights and advice. You it's are been, very welcome, yeah, Mike. Wonderful. Uh, you know, I, I, I said when all of this happened, I got into reaction myself for a, for a while and got very angry and had all of those thoughts and feelings and emotions. But all you can really do is put that stuff to one side and decide who you want to be going forward, because what's happened has happened. It hasn't yeah. just happened to me. It's going to have happened to a lot of other people um, and all we can do is decide who we want to be in the face of these things and I hope that the hearing my story and hearing my reactions to it and, and what I think we might be able to do about it uh, I hope that's really useful for you for your voiceover network audience on the podcast yeah thank you it's been really helpful and the, the key is be better than the robots yeah absolutely <laughs> nice to catch up with you Rachel thank you so much Mike Thank you for listening to the VoiceOver Hour podcast, Season 4. Brought to you by the VoiceOver Network. With special sponsors Sennheiser, Focusrite, Audio-Technica, and Elements Demos. My name's Rachel Naylor. Join me for the next episode taking you behind the scenes in the voiceover industry.